to the Pro Bono Happy Hour. I'm Rena Glazer. Welcome back. Today's guest is Ellen Joseph from Vincent and Elkins in Houston. If you're thinking, huh, that name sounds familiar, didn't you just drop an episode with Ellen? You'd be right, but this isn't a rerun or a technical glitch. Late in the day on Friday, January 27th, an executive order was issued to, among other things, temporarily ban people from seven predominantly Muslim nations from entering the United States, suspend the refugee program for 120 days, and suspend the Syrian refugee program indefinitely. It took just hours to begin witnessing the injury and suffering this order inflicted on individuals and families. In response, pro bono lawyers mobilized, along with legal services organizations, and flocked to airports and later courthouses around the country to be of assistance. We're taping this on Wednesday, February 8th, and developments are moving quickly. We're still awaiting a ruling from the Ninth Circuit. Despite the volatility, we wanted to share with you what it felt like to be on the ground providing pro bono legal assistance during this chaotic time. Ellen graciously agreed to come back on the show and share her experience. Take a listen and let us know what you think. Hi, Ellen. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us again today for this special episode. Well, thanks for calling. We knew you'd be back, but I'm not sure we'd have predicted it would be this soon. (laughs) (laughs) People are going to get sick of hearing from me. No way. Not a chance. So let's laser focus on the pro bono response to the recent executive order on immigration. How did you first learn about it and get involved? So it seems like it was many months ago, but I guess last Friday night when we all saw the breaking news on the executive order, we started to get emails circulating around my ABCO colleagues. So ABCO, as as you know, is the Association of Pro Bono Counsel. So it's all the people across the country that do my role, either pro bono counsel, pro bono partner, director, pro bono practice. And we started to figure out who we needed to reach out to or were already being reached out to by our legal service provider contacts in the immigration world about what was happening at with the order and then the effect that was happening immediately in the airport. So starting on Saturday, my, my colleagues in New York and D.C., where I was already involved in sort of seeing what they were doing on the ground in Dulles and in JFK and trying to provide as much uh, background support as I could, I sent supplies from our New York office out to JFK. I did all sorts of things. They had attorneys out there. And then I started to focus in on what was happening in Houston. And so while I was still trying to help learn and see what was happening in other cities, I realized that being the only ABCO member in Houston, this was going to be a big responsibility for us. So I started coordinating, I guess, on Saturday, Saturday night with some of our legal service providers, finding out what was happening. And then on Sunday, we were learning that Lawyers for Good Government, which is a wonderful grassroots organization of lawyers, had started their own staffing and scheduling trying to work triage in the international arrivals at Intercontinental Airport in Houston. So once we got wind of that, we reached out to them or they reached out to us to figure out how we can all collaborate. And so they did those shifts on Sunday and Sunday night. And I was starting to get emails from associates at the firm saying, I'm hearing that people are taking shifts at the airport. Is this something we can do? Is this something we're aware of? And I said, absolutely. This is something we are already involved with just hadn't had a chance to send out the sign up, but some of our lawyers are already involved 
in Lawyers for Good Government. So they had already gotten wind of it. And so finally, by Sunday night, I was able to get a message out to the lawyers that reached out to me and said, here are all the signups that are happening in Dulles and in Dallas and in New York and in Houston, and here's how to get involved. So once that happened, by Monday at noon, the Houston Immigration Collaborative, which is an organization of all of the immigration organizations in Houston, plus Houston Volunteer Lawyers and the ACLU, and myself as an APCO representative, got on a call. And by noon, we had developed a portal through Houston Volunteer Lawyers for lawyers to start signing up for shifts. And that message went out Monday. So it was a very, very fast, like 48 hours of scrambling. And within three hours, we had almost 300 volunteers signed up. Let's talk a little bit about shifts, because I think people have seen on the news and in the newspaper pictures of lawyers at airports with signs, (laughs) with with posters, camping out at, you know, sort of card tables with laptops or in the food court or, you know, terminal blumpity blump. So what, you know, as people, you and your colleagues sort of decamp to airports. (laughs) What were you doing? Yeah. So what was happening, and it was happening in all of the airports. So at JFK, everyone was at Central Diner. Here in Houston, we had been camped out at a Starbucks that was right at the international arrivals terminal. And the lawyers were just there sitting in chairs and tables. And what we were doing really is we were getting wind of people who who were set to arrive. So the people were trying to keep track of those flights. And then We were also communicating with family members who seemed to be there and maybe there too long and maybe nervous. And so we ended up shifting. Starbucks decided they wanted their tables back. (laughs) Um, So by Monday evening, and this is really not a joke, I had my kids' birthday party tables and chairs messengered out to Intercontinental Airport in Houston. And that those are the tables and chairs we are still using now. But I believe Kirkland, and I can't remember, um, created some signs for us that were not, we had posters with um, handwritten signs, but now we have a very professional pro bono lawyers here. Are you expecting a family member? That sort of thing. So we are set up on two long birthday party type tables out at Intercontinental Airport next to the Starbucks now. We are at you know, full operation. The lawyers bring their laptops and printers in case there are filings that need to be made. We are not aware of any habeas filings that happened from Houston, but there were filings of G28, which are notice of representation. There were drafts of habeas. We were working through some things and did not have to file them, although those were filed in in other airports in, in New York and in D.C. So now that we have shifts, there was a time where it was sort of haphazard, where lawyers were just showing up So some shifts, you could have 20, 30 lawyers, some zero, and there weren't really shifts. And so now we have this sign up and Houston Volunteer Lawyers has been so incredible. They basically set this up as like a clinic, like they have on their regular site. And so now it went out to their regular listserv and all the firms and you could sign up. We have four shifts during the day. They run from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. After that, we have on-call lawyers, immigration experts that can answer questions 8 to midnight. So we are operating all of those shifts still. We have just, since there has been some very, some good clarification of the order and and Houston has been relatively cooperative, we have whittled down the number of lawyers. We were first sending out six to eight lawyers per shift and now it's two to four. But people sign up for any one of four or five shifts during the day. And we have a Google worksheet where it has all of the instructions, what you'll need, the contact information for the Customs and Border Protection, 
any phone numbers, any, um, we, you know, Farsi and Arabic translators if needed. And all of that is set up and we've been working together in this group of ACLU, Houston Volunteer Lawyers, the Houston Immigration Collaborative and ABCO and me, I mean, as me, <laughs> um, working really perfecting these guides, perfecting these instructions, really with a, um, a very fast moving target. So the instructions continue to change and I expect will continue to change. Sure, as the landscape continues to change. So as you were sort of scaling up on the fly and then maybe things calmed down a little and we were able to catch our breath and develop some systems, what are you doing about the basic risk management issues that we think about in pro bono work, sort of conflicts and other types of nuts and bolts sort of um, mechanics? Those are all things that make pro bono counsel um, toss and turn in the night. And so what we were doing is we were treating the triage at the airport, this shift, where really we were just answering questions, making phone calls, making sure families felt comfortable as, as a clinic where we don't run conflicts, certainly don't have engagement letters. There's no extended representation after the shift is over. It's just about answering questions. You know, a lot of people were coming with the shift, the few shifts that I did, I'm a my family is expected, they would just come to the airport because they heard there were lawyers. Yep. My family is expected to, arrive, to travel in two weeks. Do you have any guidance on what we were supposed to do? So um, there are some know your rights materials that had been created so we could answer those questions. Now, once the, the question that if we needed, if CBP was requiring a G28 to be filed in order to get back or talk to our client or advocate for our client, we would do a rush conflict check. And we have a rush conflict check list on our end, on the firm end. And that's what we would do. The solo practitioners or other firms, I don't know necessarily what they were doing. It was in a sort of an exigent circumstance. So what we were going to do is if we had to file G28, we were going to do a rush conflict check. And that's just as best as we could do. If that G28 if we ended up, and we haven't yet, but even if we signed those G28s and we allowed to talk and we ended the representation there, we didn't do anything further at the firm. If that was going to go on and there was going to be continued representation, we were going to open it just like any other pro bono matter. So this this flew by, but for people who aren't familiar, CBP is Customs and Border yes. Patrol. Border so, Protection. Yeah, Border right. Protection. Um, how... I know this came out a lot in sort of people's experiences, but in many, if not all, airports... Lawyers couldn't get back to sort of meet with, you know, individuals yeah. coming up. They were in, you know, being detained and you, you, you couldn't get back there. So how, what's the information flow? <laughs> how it's is it? Very, yeah. The information flow was very challenging. The, the, G, the G28, which is the representation form, also is required to be signed by the client, which presented some major logistical issues. Because if we couldn't go see our client, it couldn't be signed by them, certainly. And also, we, if we hadn't been contacted by the client, but the family member, so what was happening very often, let me back up a little bit, is, you know, we're there at the table, and we have our signs, and people come and ask questions, but really what was happening is people who were, had family members that were expected to land at a certain time, so say it's 3 o'clock, it's now 3.45, they come to the table, and we say, what time was your wife, husband supposed to land? It's been about an hour. That's pretty typical. Let's just keep an eye on it. Once it gets to two hours, maybe we'd, we'd make a phone call to CBP and say, can you confirm that you have this person there? Sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. 
and sometimes they didn't answer. (laughs) And it, it tended to vary. Some people we had in secondary, which is in the screening, the secondary screening, did seem to have access to their phone. Mm-hmm. And so they were texting family members who were then telling us what was happening. Some of them did not have their phones, which made it very challenging. And we just had to rely on what we, that what the family members maybe thought was happening or where, where they were. We helped one family in particular where there was no contact and it was a six month pregnant woman and her seven-year-old child back there for about five hours. And we were working with her husband this whole time. And he was trying to get information to her. And we were, we did confirm with CBP that she was back there. And we actually did not a V&E lawyer, but another lawyer there on a shift did file a G28 and said we had been engaged on behalf of her by her family. It was a workaround we could try. With constant communication, all of a sudden, once we, once the G28 was filed and there were some threats of, of habeas being filed, she did come out. And, and she must have gotten her phone back about, I don't know, 45 minutes before she walked out. So she was able to text him and say, they're letting us through, even though she didn't come through for another, you know, almost an hour. It is very much on the fly. It feels like and maybe it's a bad analogy because it's an airplane, but it feels like working on an airplane while it's still in the air because things were changing so much. And because there was so much un- in unclarity about what was supposed to be happening, even well-intentioned officers were confused about what they were supposed to be asking or doing or, any, or screening. So it was really about a lot of advocacy, which all lawyers can do, which is great. We always make sure on our shifts that we have at least one or two immigration lawyers that are immigration experts there. But the other lawyers there, once they, we, we, we have some pretty good training documents, but really it's about advocating with CBP, communicating with the family, assuring the family that we're there, answering some questions. That really could be done by any lawyer. What's been the reaction or the sort of feelings about the experience. And yes, it's an ongoing experience. So we're measuring this at this particular m- moment in time that you've had, that your v folks who've gone to the airport have had, and that the community has had. Because it seems like, you know, there's a lot of lawyer's jokes, but people feel like this is where people have stepped up, you know, <laughs> and sort I of... Have nev- I will <laughs> say this, just as a personal note, I have never been so proud to be a lawyer. I really think that lawyers with really no political motivation saw that there was a legal need and stepped up in a way that that I've never experienced. Like I said, Lawyers for Good Government is just a volunteer listserv, and they had people staffing the airport within minutes for a weekend. By the time we got our system up, we had 300 lawyers signed up within an hour or two. The reaction at Vincent and Elkins, the lawyers were so grateful to be given the opportunity because they had been seeing it in the news and they wanted to know that their firm was supportive of an effort that they felt was just a wrong that needed to be righted. And they wanted to participate. And I think people are very engaged right now and want to make sure that whether they agree or disagree with the any motives behind what's happening, We can all agree as lawyers that laws have to be followed and people need to be protected and we need to make sure that the government is held to a high standard. Um, And so they need to meet their burdens if they're going to detain or uh, deport people. And so the reaction from the lawyers has been incredible. The experience, you know, is varied. So some people have shifts where 
it's very quiet and there's nothing happening. And that's okay. They're still answering questions. They're still making families feel more secure and, and, and more comfortable. It just so happened that one of the shifts, one of the two shifts that I did, we got to see a reunion of family. And I'm not sure have ever, and I have been doing legal aid, public interest work my entire career. And I've had some pretty remarkable personal experiences seeing families reunited, seeing wrongs righted. But this was pretty special. This was really a very emotional thing to be a part of. And I know all the lawyers, you know, we were all strangers to one another. You know, we just signed up for a shift or together. And it, it, was, it was like we all needed a group hug. What I can also say is that my ABCO colleagues are having the same experience with their firms. Yesterday, Jen Croman, who's the director of pro bono practice from Cleary, had the most incredible success where she and her team were able to bring a Cleveland Clinic doctor home where she belonged after she had been inappropriately sent back to Saudi Arabia after this day. And what she was able to say in her press conference when she discussed the case was, not only was this case an incredible success and the response to it and people eager to help this wonderful doctor, but the, the legal community response in general. We had hundreds of lawyers, lawyers from every walk of my life reaching out to me saying, I know you're involved in this somehow, how can I help? And we really saw the mobilization of an incredible amount of resources. What I am excited about is that we now have lawyers who have not been engaged in pro bono before recognizing how powerful their law license can be. And so what we're hoping to do is maintain this sort of structure. So when there's another need and there is another way we can mobilize these human legal resources, that we can move agilely and we can mobilize and get lawyers to where the need is because these lawyers are already engaged. We had a training here, a CLE, at Vincent and Elkins on Monday. I can't believe it was only two days ago. On Monday that we planned basically on Friday and through the weekend, a two-hour training for lawyers who want to be involved in this somehow. It might not be the immediate airport need, but it might be Going forward, we are working on an ongoing hotline that may continue after the airport shifts tend to dwindle in case people have other emergency immigration concerns and questions, there might be a hotline that they can call. That's a project that we're hoping to launch next week. So we are really trying to harness all of this incredible energy behind the lawyer engagement that we're seeing and make sure that people know that their licenses are powerful. And while they might do M&A deals during the day. There might be a legal need that they can tackle quickly and powerfully. And I think now more people might know that. I think that's a really empowering, empowering and inspiring message. And really want to thank you for sharing your perspective from sort of being uh, in the field, on the ground, as we say, sort of at the airport. And I wanted to mention that I think it's in your Twitter feed. You have a gorgeous picture. It may be of the family that you talked about or, yes. or some other people that you meant. So if listeners want to see it, they should check it out. Where, where do they find you on Twitter? I am Ellen Hyken Joseph, and my Twitter handle is at Pro Bono Queen. So everybody go visit it because the picture, I, you know, if they say a picture, you know, is worth a thousand words, it's really kind of summarizes what we've been talking about in this whole sort of amazing, in the full use of the word amazing, <laughs> incredible um, experience. So thank you so much for coming back, answering our call and talking with me today. And we'll see you soon, Ellen. It's an honor. Thank you so much. 
you so much to Ellen for joining us again today for this special episode. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, feedback, and suggestions to probono at probonoinst.org. If you'd like to be part of the conversation about how we can best organize and leverage our pro bono efforts in light of current events, join us in Washington, D.C. for the PDI Annual Conference. More information, including agendas and registration links, can be found on our website, probonoinst.org. You'll also find information about sponsorship opportunities. We're grateful for your generous support, which makes our work possible. New and archived episodes of the podcast can be found on iTunes and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And please take a moment to leave an iTunes review. We'd appreciate the feedback and it would help make it easier for other listeners to find the show. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the Pro Bono Happy Hour.